you for listening. Got another interview covering the non-conference slate that our MAC teams are going to see this season. Got Coastal Carolina to talk about this time. Uh, man, months ago, I was very, 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 very excited for this matchup. Got the nice consistency of a landslide pulled lead team against one of the most exciting teams in college football. Oh, wait. A coaching change. A massive coaching change. Buffalo lost Lance Leipold. Buffalo lost a bunch of guys to the transfer portal. 5, 10, 15. I don't know. I stopped counting. A lot of them followed him to Kansas. One guy even went to Baylor. So that's seven guys to the Big 12 right there. Lots of talent Buffalo lost. But it's still going to be an exciting matchup. It's still going to be a good time for Mo Linquist to kind of prove himself as a head coach for everyone on staff to prove that their quality assistance, that they can jumpstart this program to heights that, you know, I'm setting the bar very low for them. I don't think that Buffalo can win. Oh, their chances of winning anything is going to be very, very, very hard, even against Wagner to open up the season. Good luck to Buffalo doing that, and good luck to Buffalo taking on this Coastal Carolina team at home. I mean, this is a team that I can't believe I'm saying this. You'd rather lose to them on the road at this point because uh, Carolina's loaded. They're returning. Everybody from one of the most inventive teams in college football has one of the most different-looking offenses in the entire country with its triple-option spread look that does things differently than – I mean, I don't know how many triple option offenses you're watching. But I can imagine that they don't look as cool as Coastal Carolina. They're not pulling off a lot of the nice stuff that Coastal's been able to do. Buffalo, and with all those changes, I just don't see how they're going to be able to keep up. But I still have Alan Blondin from the Sun News in Myrtle Beach to come over to talk about the team that he has been on the beat with. He's only been on the beat for about four years, but he's been around long enough to see, you know, what this team has looked like. One, ever since the shovel was first put into the ground all the way to now, as it's moved up from being an FCS team that didn't see the most success ever. I know when we talk about FCS teams that should move up to the FBS, they don't really look like the Coastal Carolinas of the world. They don't look like the teams that have a playoff record all-time of four and six with six appearances total. Usually when we talk about teams that move up from FCS to FPS or teams that should make that jump, we normally kind of kiss the ring a little bit. We kind of talk about North Dakota State. I mean, my, my dream is James Madison, but that's neither here nor there. We're talking about Coastal Carolina. We're talking about their dreams and aspirations we're talking about you know their finishing wrestling moves that they do to celebrate everything and just all the excitement that coastal carolina brings to all of us on the field on twitter basically which is off the field when they're doing all their uh crazy table breaking stuff such a fun team to watch alan's got the best seat in the house covering this team on a daily on a weekly basis and he knows, you know, what this team looks like inside and out. So he was very, very awesome to have on. Uh, thanks again to Alan for coming on the show to talk about 
the Chanticleers. That's how it's produced. Talk some Grayson McCall, talk some Isaiah Likely. You talk a bunch of guys on here, so uh, do listen to it. And if you do support the work that this podcast does and want to hear more interviews like this, head over to Patreon, Alvarado on Maction on there. Uh, $3 a month gets you into a private channel on Discord. Helps me produce this show and keeps this thing going. I don't think I need to introduce it any more than that. I don't think I need to ramble and blah, blah, blah. I don't think I need to ramble on any more than this. Let's just hop right into the call. And boom goes the dynamite. All right, and I am here with Alan Blondin of the Sun News. That's in Myrtle Beach. Uh, you can check out his content over on MyrtleBeachOnline.com. Uh, Alan, thank you again for, for joining me today to talk some uh, Coastal Carolina at Buffalo football. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Uh, now, we were talking a little bit before this. You've been on the beat for a few years. Uh, you know Coastal more through you know its upbringing. You saw the jump from FCS to FBS. Uh, as an FCS team, it's been in the playoff you know six times, has seven Big South championships. Now things are looking much differently. Obviously, it's it's coming off like the coolest season possible. Unfortunately, it had to happen because of the weird coronavirus era, but. Still, we ended up having like one of the coolest college football seasons ever that you had the pleasure of covering. You know, what in your eyes has Coastal Carolina looked like and what is its next steps moving forward? Yeah, so I, I've covered, I've been on the, the Coastal Beat this time around like four years, but I have been uh, at the Sun News in Myrtle Beach for 28 years. So I, I've, you know, I've seen Coastal from its infancy uh, from, from day one of the program. Um, it started in, um, in 04. Um, so yeah, they, uh, you know, they, um, they had a, they had a, a pretty quick rise. I mean, they were, they were pretty good at first. Um, and then, uh, they had a, a lull and then they hired Joe Moglia and Joe Moglia was, uh, you know, he made coastal famous in his own right by being the, the executive from wall street that uh quit and took over a football program he had been a college football coach um when he's in his younger years then he became the ceo of td ameritrade and the chairman of the board of td ameritrade grew that company into a massive company and then wanted to get back into coaching later in life and coastal was the team that gave him the shot and you know he got he had coastal ranked number one in uh, in f uh, FCS uh, for I think a total of maybe 10 to 12 weeks over a couple years and you know they were in the playoffs perennially um, and then they did you know then they had the opportunity to move up in the Sun Belt they are uh, the Sun Belt offered them it was probably before they were kind of ready I mean they still had some things that they probably wanted to accomplish in FCS um, they never got through I think the quarterfinals was as far as they ever got in the playoffs um, but they got the opportunity so they you know they wanted to take it while they had it so they moved up it was a struggle. Um, they went two and six the first three years in the Sun Belt in the conference. Um, they had a losing record every year as an FBS program for the first three years. Um, and then, you know, from two and six and picked to finish last in the conference by the coaches in preseason last year. On top of that, they weren't expected to do a whole lot mm -hmm. last fall. Um, and then uh, they just had this crazy year. And a lot of it, uh, to, to coach Jamie Chadwell's credit was he put in a redshirt freshman quarterback when he had two 
juniors who both had a lot of starting experience and he, and he bypassed them and went with this freshman kid, uh, Grayson McCall. And he had like one of the best years of anybody in college football last year, 20, 27 uh, touchdowns, three interceptions, one of the highest ranked quarterbacks all year. And he was kind of the linchpin to, to the season, really. I mean, he run he ran that offense like no quarterback had run that offense for Jamie Chadwell. So that was a big decision by Chadwell early. Um, they did have a lot of experience. They had a lot of guys. They, they got a lot of guys back from injury the previous year that were good players. And uh, and then they just had this crazy magical season. I mean, I, I thought they would be pretty good knowing who they had coming back and the injuries that they had coming back. But the year was pretty crazy. And the quarterback uh, decision in the first game of the season was really the uh, what really led to the, uh, the crazy year. Oh, yeah. And like it takes it takes a really good coach to recognize that the underclassman that's only been on campus for about a year at that point. Uh, is the guy to go with over a couple guys that, like you said, have experience, you know, not just, you know, like late in games, but like starting experience too. Uh, and in just a couple, you know, just a couple years with Chadwell, 19 and 17 record, that doesn't tell you the whole story clearly. Uh, what are your thoughts on Chadwell? How good of a job has he done? Where could he improve? Uh, and, you know, yeah, just general thoughts on Jamie Chadwell and how he's done at Coastal so far. Yeah, and it's – uh is somewhat somewhat pretty interesting about him. He's gone about it a little different than Moglia. So Moglia had a lot of connections, you know, just from who he was in the world, really. He brought in some coaches with a lot more experience, some some guys that had coached in the NFL. And Chadwell has built his coaching staff. Basically, he's brought in all the people that he's had at his previous stops, which were all FCS or below level, um, North Greenville, Delta State and uh, Charleston Southern, and he really essentially has the Myrtle, the, the the Coastal Carolina staff is is very close to almost exactly what he had as a staff at Charleston Southern and FCS. So he's done it with coaches that are also moving up with him, which is a bit surprising that they were able to have that kind of success at the FBS level with coaches that really had only coached at the FCS level prior to this. Um, so, you know, Chad Staggs, he brought him as a defensive coordinator. who He replaced the guy who had some NFL experience and coached at UCLA. Um, so he he's brought in, he, he's done it. He, he knows who he's hiring. He knows what they do. He knows they fit what he wants to do. And so far it's been successful. Um, and, you know, the, the, the one thing about Jamie is he, his, his offense is somewhat unique. He's an offensive guy. And he was the offensive coordinator. He was brought in as the offensive offensive coordinator by Moglia with the anticipation that he would probably become the head coach. He was given the associate coach uh, title. But his offense, um, it's a it's a triple option spread. Um, you know, so it's a run it's a run throw. Uh, the quarterback's versatile. So there's a lot of things. They get a lot of misdirection. So there's a lot of eye candy and a lot of things you have to defend. And um, and Chad Staggs did a great job on defense. So, you know, between the two of them, um, you know, the, they had a, a good year on both sides of the ball. And that offense is something that's going to give people fits. It's um, especially with uh, Grayson McCall running it. He ran a similar offense in high school for three years. 
and that's partially probably why he he's so good at it. He just he fits right into it, loves running it, and he's uh, he very rarely makes a mistake or makes a bad call. Yeah, and that offense is it's just so crazy, and it is a lot of fun to watch. And I think that's why it's gotten. I mean, besides the fact that it's you know a G five team that's new to the scene, new to college football in general. You know, wasn't there at the start of the two thousands. Um, you know, it's had a lot of success, especially in 2020. A lot of people love it. Um, and you said, like, they, Grayson McCall, obviously, freshman of the year, Sun Belt player of the year. Uh, he had good pieces around him, too, like Isaiah Likely, you know, so on and so forth. Just, like, all Sun Belt teams on both sides of the ball. And this is a team. And you said, like, they were, like, what, predicted to go 10th in the Sun Belt? They were predicted to finish dead last in a 10-team league, yeah. Dead last by the coaches in the league. So, you know, they were just going off their previous track record, which was two and six, three straight years. Um, It really was surprising. It's kind of a shame. They were supposed to open up with South Carolina last year. And, you you know, I I mean, it would have been – it would have been pretty crazy if Coastal, which they would have gone in there and won because based on the two teams, they were the better team by far. And had they opened up with South Carolina, gone into South Carolina and beaten them pretty badly in the first game, I think Will Muschamp might have got fired after the first game. Uh, yeah, but, really uh, early on, yeah. They ended up, you know, they they opened with Kansas, and they were up 28 nothing on Kansas midway through the second quarter and in that kid's first ever start and first time ever really seeing any playing time. So um, they jumped right out of the gate and – you know, they were actually fairly dominant for most of the year. They they, they were blowing a number of teams out. They, they had close games against App State. Um, Louisiana, they had to win on a, a last-second field goal. They scored in the last two minutes to beat App State. BYU, they stopped at the one-yard line on the last play of the game. And then the game they did lose, they lost in overtime in the Cure Bowl. So right. um, they pulled out a few close ones. They lost one close one. And, and then they really they dominated a number of the teams they faced. Yeah, and like even like some of the more I guess mundane plays that come out of the offense are still pretty exciting because like each play has like its own little wrinkle, um, even if it's just like a belly up the middle. Is it a system though where like new guys actually can come in and like essentially plug and play? Is that even a realistic possibility? Knowing that you know the transfer portal is kind of demanding playbooks to be a little bit more, uh, you can learn it within one year and step on the field and have success. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I think each individual position, um, it, while the offense itself is diverse and seems complicated, I'm sure each individual position um, isn't quite as as, uh, as complicated as it may look to the defenses, you know. So, um, you know, like I said, the fact that and again, it helped that Grayson McCall ran a similar offense for three years in high school, but uh, he obviously came in and didn't have any problem learning the offense because he he ran it way better than the other two guys that had tried to run it before him. Um, you know, the two guys that were still on the team as juniors. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a little bit to learn, but they started a, they started a freshman, a true freshman at, um, at, uh, at one of the guard positions on the offensive line. And that kid turned out to be um, all freshman, all American. Uh, a big time player and it was his very first year in, in the program. So, 
Um, it, it apparently you can pick it up. They do a lot of zone blocking schemes on that offensive line. They're they're undersized for you know their center's five foot nine. That's which still is, blows my mind. That is yeah, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so their center's five nine. They got a couple other guys that are only you know six one six two, and um, so they're you know they're generally undersized line, and they use some zone blocking schemes to to open up holes and protect and. And it, it's it worked for them, and and even against BYU, which was considered a much bigger, stronger team, they uh, they held their own and won the game. Who's your favorite player on that offense that isn't named Grayson McCall? Uh, Isaiah Likely. Um, Javon Hiley is a really good uh, wide receiver. He had a great year. Um, uh, I think sixty something catches and two yards shy of a thousand. But uh, Isaiah Likely is an NFL tight end. He played all year with a with a, a turf toe, essentially like a broken toe or something, and he still averaged over 20 yards per catch. Um, and he's a he's like 6'4", 240, runs like a wide receiver, never drops the ball. Um, he's just a monster. Uh, he's gonna. I expect him to have a monster year if he stays healthy, and he's gonna be a, a high draft pick. I mean, he's he's an amazingly talented kid that uh, they're lucky he's coming back because he, he could have been drafted this year, I think, but with one more year and, and if he's healthy, he'll put up some crazy numbers. But like I said, he averages over 20 yards of catch as a tight end, and that's that's pretty impressive. Oh, absolutely. Uh, flipping over to the defense, because the offense is, you know, the one thing that everyone recognizes, everyone goes out of their way to, like, not even people that uh, are coaches, but even just fans, I feel like, just go out of their way to, like, watch it a little bit more because it's like still crazier than crazier looking than any other football they've probably seen uh defensively though obviously chad staggs is someone that chadwell's known from other jobs uh they have they had a, the newcomer of the year in the conference uh cornerback is it to jordan strong uh, yeah a couple other soft, uh first team players along the defensive line even into the linebacking group you know, how do you look at this defense? And having so many returners back has probably got to help this team's chances in uh, in the conference again. Yeah, they get – so offense, defense, special teams, if you count all the primary, you know, the starters and then the primary players on special teams, kicker, snapper, holder, punter, uh, most of the returners, they lose – they're only losing three starters out of all positions on the field. Mm-hmm. Um so, and two on offense, a wide receiver that was marginally, um, he was a grad student and he was uh, marginally effective. Um, and they lose uh, a running back who has NFL aspirations, got picked up by the Bears. And they lose Teron Jackson, who, who was a draft pick uh, defensive end. So they lose one guy on defense and they, um, they get, you know, they get everybody back and, they, they're, and they're building a lot more depth that extra year that the NCAA gave uh, everybody was is, is a huge benefit to Coastal in, in at least football because they've all these kids came back. They got uh, a few like a few offensive linemen that, that, that have, you know, are basically in their fifth or sixth year. Um, uh, two middle linebackers that would have expelled their eligibility last year are back. Um uh, defensive lineman that would have expelled his eligibilities back. They got their entire second, you know, they, they lose one guy on defense and the guys that they get back are almost mostly older experienced, m- multiple year starters. 
So they're essentially going into the season with the same team they had last year um, with probably more depth, which was the one thing that they've, you know, last year they avoided injury. That was another big key to their season. They barely lost games at all to starters losing games. I mean, they, they lost only a handful of games from their starters. So uh, that helped. But the fact that they, they've got another year and they've got guys that are more developed in their system another year with the same starters coming back, their depth will be a lot better. So they should be more conditioned at the end of games because they'll be able to sub a little more probably. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, their defense is going to look almost exactly like it did uh, last year. Um, except they're going to get a lot more depth and hopefully be a little stronger at the end of games. Do you think they were able to get like any more depth through the through the transfer portal, or do you think like they lost more players through the transfer portal? How has this kind of helped or uh, not helped them? Yeah, the transfer portal hurt them for a couple of years. They lost. Uh, it's pretty funny. It's pretty wild though. They so they lost one guy in the transfer portal who came back last year. Um, a guy that transferred. Um, uh, defensive end who ended up coming back to the team. He went to NC State and then came back. So, Zovan um, Lindsay. And what's that? Is it uh, Zovan Lindsay? Uh, no, Lindsay's uh, offensive uh, oh. offensive guy. Um, it mean, is. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, that's okay. Um, uh, it's Jeffrey Gunner. He's a defensive end, kind of an outside linebacker. Stag switched. They had been a 4-3. He switched to a 3-4, but they, it's a multiple defense. So they'll have four down linemen at times. It's it's multiple. So he'll, he'll change things up. But, you know, their base is supposedly 3-4. So even though uh, Jeffrey Gunner's a, a D-end uh, or, or officially an outside linebacker, he plays D-end a lot too. Um, but no, they did get a, a kid named Emmanuel that came over in the transfer portal. He's a defensive end they got from Georgia Tech and, I think he's the guy that they're hoping replaces Teron Jackson uh, on the other side of Gunner. Um, and, and like I said, they're strong up the middle. C.J. Brewer's back. He was first-team all-conference defensive lineman. Um, Silas Kelly and Teddy Gallagher are the two, uh, the two, you know, extra seniors back for their extra year that I mentioned, the middle linebackers. They're both very good players. Um, and uh, the Jordan Strong is is – the entire secondary is back, but the Jordan Strong was the best player in that secondary, was among the leaders in interceptions in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they're, uh, the, you know, the, the transfer portal did not hurt them this year. It hurt them in past years, but uh, guys weren't in a hurry to leave. The only guys that really left this year were people that had either already graduated and were ready to move on to grad degrees somewhere else or, um, you know, were looking for playing time because they weren't getting it close. Week three, Coastal is at Buffalo. It's going to be a noon kick. We'll find out uh, eventually if it's going to be on ESPN2 or the U. It'll be the fourth time Coastal has played a MAC team in its history in 2019. Lost to Eastern 30-23. to Lost to Kent State in 2009, 18 to nothing, And in 2012, lost to Toledo, uh, 38-28. Uh, given, like the coaching changes at both Kansas and Buffalo because one, both of those teams are on coastal schedule this year in back-to-back weeks. Didn't realize that until I reached out to you for this interview. And two, uh, like the coaching changes happening in May. Like, I feel like Buffalo is just, they, they have to be like searching for answers for 
the first half of the season just to get like its stuff organized. Not even to mention like a lot of its players hitting the transfer portal, especially in the start with the starters along the trenches. Uh, from your perspective, how do you kind of see this game, you know, starting to take shape? You know, I'm sure if I would have asked you three months ago, you probably would have had a different answer than this. But how do you kind of see this shaping up? Yeah, well, again, I, I know Buffalo had a really good year. Um, their running back went crazy a few times. Yes. Um, uh, I watched their bowl game. Um, but, yeah, if, if uh, the thing that Coastal – the advantage that Coastal is going to have early in the season particularly is that they have everybody back. Their guys aren't learning anything new. They're basically just going to try to get better at what they do. Um, so if they're playing a team that lost some players and has a, a lot of new – you know, a new influx of players coming in at different positions. Um, it, it certainly benefits Coastal to be playing them early in the year before they have a chance to kind of develop and and um, kind of mold their team the, the way they want it. So it sure seems like Coastal will have an advantage um, going up there against Buffalo. It, it's actually Coastal's only road game uh, of their non-conference. They, they've got uh, they open with the Citadel at home, then they, and they have uh, Kansas at home, and then after Buffalo, they play uh, Massachusetts at home. So um, they've got seven home games this year. So this will be the one test, and um, they'll have two games under their belt. I would expect them to be 2-0, and and uh, I'm sure they'll be prepared and ready to go on that one road game in the non-conference. I was going to ask you, like, what percent chance would you give Coastal beating Buffalo, but I'd rather ask this instead. Like, anything – worse than 4-0 and would probably be a disappointment at this point, right? Like, I feel like Coastal is just too good of a team. It's too fun, like, too unique on offense to where, like, coaches probably haven't caught up totally yet. Uh, and if you're going to play any four teams in non-conference, like, right now, get all things considered, like, that's a pretty good slate. Citadel, Kansas, Buffalo, <laughs> and UMass. Like, if you lose to any of them, like, last year was a fluke, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, and again, um, if, if Coastal had played Buffalo last year, it could have been a pretty good game, I think. Um, but if if Buffalo did lose a lot of players, and again, it's an early season game, I think that definitely gives Coastal the advantage. And I, I, I it's going to be what what's what's going to be interesting to see for me, just covering the shots, is if they do lose a game fairly early, uh, how they react because mm-hmm. they're coming. A year where they went 11 and 0, got ranked in the top 10 in, in, in the AP poll. And so their aspirations at this point, even though they were so low prior to last year, they're now so high after last year's 11 and 0 and top 10 and all that. Um, it'll be interesting to see how their mindset is if they do lose an early game and if it, if it, you know, if they lose some interest in the season or, you know, they just, uh, you know, it's disheartening to them or, or because, you know, they're going into this year after last year thinking, you know, we have to replicate and even do better than last year. We want to win the bowl game. We want to go undefeated. Um, so it's going to be interesting for me to see if they do end up losing a game and if it is fairly early and it's to somebody they're not supposed to lose to, how that impacts them for the rest of the year and if it leads to more losses or if they're going to quickly put that behind them and move on. Alan, thank you again for your time. Is there anything that I probably should have asked you about? Is there any other thing about Coastal Carolina that Buffalo fans or Maction fans paying attention to this game should probably know about this team? 
Well, um, they're pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, uh, right. yeah, they, they, uh, they, you know, they're easy to dislike if you're their opponent. They, they're on social media a lot. Um, they have the, they have these crazy celebrations after games. Uh, the, the big one last year was, um, the, the WWE remake in the locker room where they're jumping off of chairs and breaking tables and, uh, on a, on a fake mascot. Um, so they're fun. Um, but again, if you're their opponent, that, that, that can be taken a different way than being fun, but they're going to do them. And, um, you'll, you'll probably be able to see some, if you follow some of their, you know, linebackers, uh, Teddy Gallagher and Silas on social media, um, you know, you'll, you'll be entertained and maybe irritated and, uh, be motivated to play against them. Alan, thank you again for your time. Hope you have a great day and good luck with them covering the season, man. That, that it's it's going to be a lot of fun, especially after last year. Yeah. I can't imagine there's too many other beats that, uh, that would be like more fun than this to cover. Yeah. We're hoping the momentum builds in the season like it did last year. And like I said, they don't have another early law an early loss or even two, and it, it'll just take the steam out of the year. And, and, uh, you know, it, I guarantee, like I said, the play, it'd be interesting to see how the players react if they do lose somewhat fairly early. All right, and that is going to do it for me. Thank you again to Alan Blondin for his time to talk about Coastal Carolina's football program. Don't forget to like and follow, and yeah, you know how podcasts work. Just follow it. Get on to macfootballblog.com to keep up with the transfer portal. And other things, Mac Football, not Mac Football Notes. I'm Alex Alvarado. Thank you again for listening, and have a great day. And boom goes the dynamite.